Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. chapter 13, and I don't have to preach in front of Sam Davison tonight. I appreciate that very much. Saw him walk in this morning and said, where did you come from? He said, well, we have an appointment tomorrow, and we're just down here for a little vacation time, and, and uh, they walked in, and, uh, and then, uh, more so than myself having to preach in front of him, having is not the right word, but y'all don't understand what I'm saying, is that Tyler King was teaching the Senior Saints class this morning, and Brother Sam was in that room with, Brother, with Tyler King teaching. And uh, I talked to Tyler earlier. He said, uh, he said I, I was uh, trembling just a little bit. I said, yeah. So anyway, and I know maybe you, you, you can't quite uh, uh, sympathize with myself, Mr. Tyler, but you can certainly empathize. You, you know, it's something. So anyway, then, okay, we're good. Hebrews chapter 13, we, we're not going to study Nehemiah tonight um, because so many are out, of course, working in VBS. And also because in Nehemiah we're coming to the area of revival. And so I want to take next Wednesday night and have the opportunity to teach that, or next Sunday night and have the opportunity to teach that, Lord willing, okay? And so, or if not, the next Sunday night. Hebrews chapter 13, familiar subject, not forsaken. Hebrews 13 verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bond, bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now look at verse 5 now. Let your conversation, so let your life be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. And here it is. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We use that phrase. I use it probably ever, you know, seven or eight sermons. It comes out somewhere. And that's because it's found multiple times in the Old Testament. And it's cert certainly a wonderful promise from God that he's promised to never forsake us, to never fail us, to never leave us. Look at verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to, to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word, and we pray tonight that you would again bring to remembrance this wonderful truth, this wonderful promise, uh, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. The old hymn says, the soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. And God's promise that he will never forsake us. As we think about this, uh, this conversation, this, he says there in verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. Again, let your life be without covetousness. A lack of trust in God leads to covetousness and discontentment 
That's what, again, let me read that again. A lack of trust in God leads to covetousness and discontentment. In other words, if you trust God and you put your trust in Him, then you won't covet what others have because you'll, you'll be content with what you have. Christians shouldn't love things. That's a, you know, a surprise, isn't it? <laughs> have never heard that truth before. But Christians shouldn't love things, and we shouldn't love money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not, money's not the root of all evil, but the love of it is. The love of things. Things are very easily, uh, they very easily become idols in our life. And uh, that's an, an area I've been studying lately about idols and, and rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. I just, again, sin is rebellion. And then if you take it a step further, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And rebellion is more than we, and sin is more than, than we really, you know, uh, that we really think it is, if you would. Uh, the, the, the writer said that we may see sin as exceedingly sinful. If we're not careful, things become our idols. We have to be careful. I was uh, reminded of the missionaries talking about Buddhism and the multiple, multiple um, idols and Hinduism, especially Hinduism, the multiple idols. Well, you, you don't have to worship a statue to worship an idol. You can worship stuff. Stuff. The Bible says here we ought to be content. Discontent is ingratitude and the opposite of thanksgiving. Israel was discontent when they wandered in the wilderness. God provided for them water. God provided for them meat. God provided for them oil. God provided for them honey. God provided for them. I mean, God provided every need they had, and yet they murmured and complained over and over and over again. They were discontent. But we as Christians ought to be content. And discontentment is ingratitude, opposite of thanksgiving. I'm not going to go read it, but you remember there in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul says, I know how to abound and how to, how to be abased. He said, I know how to, what it is to be on the, on the very top, and I know what it, be, it means to be on the bottom. I know how it is to have money and to have nothing. But he said, whatever state I am, therewith to be content. He said, it didn't matter whether I had money or didn't have money. It didn't matter whether I had stuff or didn't have stuff. He said, I found and I learned, that's the key, that I could be content. And contentment is found in trusting God. Prayer. Prayer is asking, right? Prayer is asking God. And when we pray, we ought to always include, Lord, thy will be done. Remember the model prayer? The model prayer, um, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so many times when we, we go to pray and uh, we, 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 we forget that God knows best. Remember the old TV show, Father's knows, Father Knows Best, right? Ever watch that one, Black and White? That's all I watched growing up. Black and white TV. Right? Abbott and Costello. Man, that's good. Um, but father's, Father knows best. We think, we think about that uh, reality and that children asking their father. Why? Because he knows. He knows. Uh, by the way, dad's going to say no. Dad may say yes. Dad may say maybe or wait. Right? And we go to a mother or we go to a father because of the wisdom of years, because of experience, and understanding that they have our best interests in mind. I call my dad, or he calls me every Sunday night, most every Sunday night. 
And we have lots of good conversations. And every once in a while, I ask him a question or I ask him something because I want to glean that wisdom from him. I want to hear from him. And I know he has my best interests in mind. I'm not saying everybody doesn't. Yes, I am. I'm saying that. Not everybody has your best interests in mind, but your mom and dad do. And can I tell you, your Heavenly Father has, his, has your best interests in mind every time. Every time he has your best interests in mind. And y'all know these verses, Romans 8, 28. The, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. From whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God is simply using those things in our life to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Every test, every trial, every, every detour in life, God is using to conform us to the image of his son. He works all things together for our good. He always has our best interest in mind. Uh, when we're discontent, it's like saying to God, you don't know what you're doing. But can I say t- tonight, God knows, always knows what he's doing. Always knows what he's doing. Ephesians 1.15 says, he is working in us according to his good pleasure, not ours. Not our good pleasure, his good pleasure. He's working in us. Uh, the image there in Ephesians is, is that of a factory and being on an assembly line as God is working on us and growing us and, attack, and so forth. And he is working on us to, to, again, to conform us to the image of his son. Hebrews 12.10 says he chastens us according to his good pleasure. So he's working on us according to his good pleasure and he chastens us according to his good pleasure. Whom the Lord loveth, what? He chasteneth. And so a lot of times it, our, the things that are going on in our life is our Heavenly Father just giving us a gentle nudge. Maybe using that rod and staff a little bit, right? And they're correcting us as a father and mother ought to correct uh, their child. And so God is correcting us and chastening us. One author said it this way. He said, being content is not opposed to us being industrious. God gave us six days to work and we should work. But not out of covetousness or a desire for wealth. Be content with what God has appointed. Amen. So when we say be content, we're not saying you can't be industrious. It's not saying that you can't climb the ladder. It just says your motives ought to be right. Your motives ought to be right. And we ought to, we ought to be careful in these things. And then there's some young, young people here tonight. Just be careful. Money doesn't bring happiness. Look at Hollywood. Money doesn't bring happiness. It's amazing to me how many of late of those individuals who are rich and famous have committed suicide or other things have happened in their life because wealth, fame does not bring happiness. We are, contentment does. Contentment brings, brings peace and peace in every situation. Our jobs are vehicles to provide for our family and ministry. Our jobs are our calling. You realize that? Wherever you're working, that's your calling. You work at Lockheed, that's your calling. And that, that job is there to provide for your family. And it's there to provide for you ministry. Not only in giving to the Lord what is due His, but also in ministering to those around you. What a great opportunity you have every day. If you're not careful as a Christian, your circle of influence gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and rightly so. As we, as we get saved and we 
we, our circle of friends become those who think like us and go to church and, and Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ, we find that we're, our influence is not as wide as it used to be. We don't have unsaved friends anymore, or at least close unsaved friends anymore. And so what an opportunity at work that we would have to tell others of Jesus. What an opportunity we have at work or, again, our neighbors to invite them to church. Our jobs are our calling. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your affections on things above and not on things on this earth. Can I just remind you tonight that you have only one person to please? The Lord. You only have one person to please. By the way, if you'll please the Lord, you'll please your spouse. <laughs> right? If, you're, if your relationship with the Lord is right, then your relationship with your fellow man will be right. You have one person to please. All this life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Good reminder tonight, isn't it? That we ought to be content. Again, we see this wonderful promise here in Hebrews 13. He says, Such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This promise is a guarantee of God's continual provision and his continual protection covetousness and discontentment are dispelled by God's presence. In other words, as you trust in God, that, that, uh, <laughs> that discontentment goes away. As you are close to God, covetousness go, goes away. The attributes of God, that He is able, He is able, He is able. Love the little chorus this morning, right? He is able. He has the power to keep His promises. He keeps the stars in their course. He named the stars. Remember King David said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visiteth him? David said, Why do you even think about us? He said, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visiteth him? We serve an all-powerful God. An all-powerful God. He can do anything. He can do anything. And he will keep his promise. He will take care of you. In Matthew chapter 10, you all know the verses. In Luke chapter 12, he talks about he takes care of the sparrows. If he takes care of the sparrows, surely he'll take care of you. I would think you are more important than a little bitty black bird. I know I've told the story a hundred times. I'll tell it again tonight. When I was a kid growing up, we would go to my grandparents' farm in Duncan, Oklahoma. And them was my great-grandparents' farm when they were alive. And uh, my great-grandfather loved animals. And so he was like... Don't shoot anything. Let me tell you what you can shoot. He said, I don't want my red birds shot. I don't want my this shot or that shot. He said, but here, here's, here's, a, here's a list. You can shoot crows. You can shoot blue jays. I know that sounds bad for you. You think blue jays are pretty. Blue jays are mean. I am telling they will chase you down. He said, you can shoot blue jays. Do not shoot my cardinals. And you can shoot all the sparrows you want. Right? You ever walk up to a bush or a tree that has a ton of limbs on it and there's like 75 sparrows in it and you have a 12-gauge shotgun? That's awesome. You know, for a 10-year-old boy, 11-year-old boy, I mean, shotgun about knocks you down whenever you shoot it, you know. That's awesome. Little sparrows all fall to the ground when they die, flop around. This is on the internet. My email address, pastor at hbchasa.org. God says you're more important than the sparrows. 
And God takes care of the sparrows. He provides for the sparrows. And he'll certainly provide for you. What a great God we have. There are five examples where this term or is used in the Old Testament. That he'll never leave us nor forsake us or he will never fail us uh, nor forsake us. Jacob was given this promise in Genesis chapter 28. Remember, we just studied this a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning. Uh, there when Jacob f- f- flees from his brother uh, who said he was going to kill him. And after he stole his birthright and after he stole the blessing from his father. And so mama said, you need to get out of here. Go back to uncle's house and uh, find you a wife. But get away from your brother. So he left. Make a, you know, on that 500 mile journey, he stops at Bethel. And there at Bethel, God gives him a, a dream. And in that dream, uh, God promises him. He says, behold, I am with thee. This is God speaking to Jacob. Remember, Jacob's laying on a rock by himself, all alone there at Bethel, had left his father's house. And God says to him, behold, I am with thee. I will keep thee in all places, whether thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee. I will not leave thee. I said, I will not leave thee. I'm going to be with you, Jacob. Can I just remind you in the midst of your trials, God will be with you. God will not forsake us. God will not, never leave us nor forsake us. And God did bring him back. God did bring him back. Number two, the example of Israel. Example of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, he says to Israel, Be strong and of good courage, fear not nor be afraid of them. Talking about those that are in the land of Canaan. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Can I just remind, not only is God will not leave you as an individual person, but he's not going to leave or forsake our church. As Israel is, the analogy is, Israel is called the congregation of God. And the church, as a church, we're the congregation of God. His promise is that he will never fail us nor forsake us. I'm thankful there's victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. The giants, we're not going to defeat Israel, and the giants will not defeat us. Number three, this promise was given to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, remember the story? Now God is uh, giving authority from Moses over to Joshua, and there the soldier appears unto Joshua. It was Jesus that appeared to him. It, dressed as a soldier. And there he spoke to him and said to Joshua, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Just encourage you tonight. Workers, leaders, God's promised he'll never fail you, nor forsake you. Just keep on keeping on. Keep on trusting him. I, I'm, now I'm pointing at you and three back at me, right? He will never fail us nor forsake us. And lastly, or fourthly, David to Solomon. In 1 Chronicles twenty-eight thirty, God promised Solomon, he said to him, that he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And God had promised Solomon wisdom and discretion. But God also promised him that he would be there for him and be there with him. God will never leave you nor forsake you. The actual last reference in the Old Testament to this passage is found in Isaiah 41, 17. 
And really it's referring to Israel as being lost. It's really referring to sinners, if you would. And here the prophet Isaiah says, When the poor and the needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. He said, When Israel turns back to me, I will hear them. I will hear them. The Lord will hear them. I will not forsake them. I'm thankful that when I, when, I'm, uh, when I do wrong and I cry out to God, that God hears me and won't forsake me. I'm thankful for 1 uh, John 1, 9, aren't you? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He's faithful and fair to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. May we be content with where God has put us. And that we trust Him no matter what we face and no matter what we go through. And really, when we are discontent, we're unthankful. It's really saying to God, God, you don't know what you're doing. We need to be reminded of that. Lord, I put my trust in you. Lord, I yield to you because you have promised to never leave me nor forsake me. Five times in the Old Testament, we have examples of it. And then in Hebrews, he makes it very clear that it applies to us. It applies to you tonight. God will never leave you. I love Acts 17 where, where Paul says to that crowd, he says to them that, he, that God is not very far from any of us. God is there for you. God will always be there for you. If he never leaves us, then we don't have to worry about the future. God knows our circumstances. He knows all about us. And he's promised to take care of us. And what God promises, he does. Because he is all-powerful. He can do anything. And he can certainly overcome anything in any circumstance in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today, God, for your love. And as we go to this invitation time, Lord, I pray that we be reminded again that you are, in, you are in control, and may we trust in you. Well, what a blessing it is to know that you are our Heavenly Father, and God, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Again, we thank you for that blessed promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. We'll have a verse invitation, hymn 118. I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Great old hymn. I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.